morning, I want to let you know that you are loved. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling weary, if you're feeling worn out, you are loved. If you're feeling angry or sad, you are loved. If you're feeling really overwhelmed to be in church this morning, even you are loved. If you're an extrovert and you're stoked to be here this morning and to see everyone, this introvert wants you to know that even you are loved. (laughs) And if you even doubt that God exists, you are loved. And we are so, so glad that you're here this morning. If there's nothing else that you receive from my message today, I want this to resonate in your heart and in your soul and in your mind, that God loves you unconditionally, he loves you unreservedly, and he loves you completely. Please be seated. So for those of you who haven't met me yet, and for those online, my name is Ella, and as Pastor Dave mentioned, I'm from C3 Church Hobart. I also work at Alpha Crucis College, which some of you may know, some of you may even be graduates of the college, and I'm currently studying my Masters of Theology through them as well, which is pretty wild, as you can probably imagine, but I love it. I love talking about God, I love writing about Him, I love reading about Him, my desire to know Him more is totally insatiable. I never get bored of it. I never get bored of sharing the message of Christ and how he has transformed my life. And it's a real honour and a privilege to be here at your church this morning. So thank you, Pastors Dave and Alex and your team for having me. It's not something that I take lightly, so thank you for trusting me with the mic. I'm a very sincere speaker. I don't mess around. I use a lot of words and I get straight to the point so you're going to have to sit up and pay attention or you might miss something because we are here as it says in Romans 4.17 to worship the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were he is the God who gives and breathes life into death and brings light into dark places I'm going to be spending a bit of time in the book of Romans today because I think that it's a book of the Bible that gives us one of the clearest pictures of what the Christian life should look like and how we should live in light of God's grace. So we're going to get straight into it. So if you have your Bibles or your phones and you would like to turn with me to Romans 5, 1 to 8. That's Romans 5, 1 to 8. What a year it's been, hey? I'm sure if any of you are like me, you're probably a little bit sick of talking about the year that has been 2020, a little bit tired of it. I know I definitely am. But I think it's worthwhile to continue to acknowledge the weight that many of us, if not most of us, have carried this year in some way or another. I know that churches, especially across the world, have had to really pivot and adapt and change. And not many of us have coasted through without some kind of impact. And for others, it's possibly been one of the hardest years they've ever faced. And perhaps for others, it's been one of the best years. It's given them new opportunities uh, and new life. 
This morning, though, I want to speak specifically to those who know suffering. And I'm not talking about Geelong supporters, (laughs) but I'm talking generally, which, let's be honest, is most of us. Life is not without some form of suffering, but often we don't like to talk about it. It makes us a bit uncomfortable. They're not easy conversations to have. But I really believe that when we acknowledge something, when we name it, and we actually give space for God to move in it. Remember, he is the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So here we are, Romans 5, 1 to 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My message this morning is a message of hope, which seems a little contradictory since I've already mentioned that we're going to be talking about suffering. But bear with me as we unpack this text from Paul. I've been really obsessed with hope for a long time. I find myself, as I read the scriptures, stopping every time I see the word hope. Because I think that hope is something that we as believers have that is totally revolutionary and transformative. It's something unique that we have to give to the world. It has the ability to change people's hearts and lives. Hope is a gift of the spirit that we have access to. And this hope is active. It moves in us and through us out into the world, which is increasingly seeming to be without hope. So what is Paul saying in this text in Romans? According to him, suffering is not passive. And what do I mean by that? It doesn't just happen to us and that's it. It actually produces certain things. I think we all know that when difficult things happen, when we experience grief or when we experience pain, that ultimately we have two options for it to make us bitter or make us better. And I don't know about you, but for me sometimes I get a little bit of both. You know, I've tried to be the kind of person who doesn't let life harden my heart because I think if we're called to be salt and to be light, we have to have a soft heart. But that doesn't mean it's easy. And I think a prayer that we should all continue to pray is that God would help us have soft hearts as well as in the words of a sermon that I heard Pastor Dave preach recently. We should also pray that we have big hearts and big spirits and that God would use those challenges that we face to make us better, not bitter. But how do we do this? 
I think the key is perseverance. As as Paul says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance is about persisting. It's about staying the course despite those difficulties and challenges. It's being steadfast. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And he goes on in verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. And Hebrews, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. But how often, how often do we give up? From frustration, from offence, from disappointment, from feeling disheartened, probably a lot more than we'd like to admit, whether it's in the small ways, in our relationships, in our jobs, or in the real bigger things. I know that in my own life and in my own Christian walk, there's been times when I've wanted to throw in the towel, so to speak. I've felt uh, lonely. I've felt uh, hurt by people. I've felt misunderstood. I've felt angry at God. I've sometimes wondered, is it really worth it? But then I've been reminded, as it says in Hebrews 10.23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And I think Proverbs gives us a really good key in how we do this. It says in 4.25 to 26, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. So I want to encourage you this morning. Don't let suffering and challenges that come your way in this journey of faith make you give up. Stand firm. Be steadfast. Because fortunately when we do that... God actually helps us even further. Next, Paul says in this passage that this perseverance produces character. Anyone who's ever worked with people, married a a person, is in any kind of leadership or relationship knows that character is everything. Character is integrity, it is honour, it is faithfulness, it is respect, it is attitude, it's intention. Character is your habits, it is your motives, and it's your thoughts. So I think it's interesting that Paul ties perseverance with character. I know in my own life when I've decided or been thinking about whether to persevere or whether to give up, Every single time that I have persevered and trusted God and not given up, it has instilled in me greater character, whether it's a better attitude or ability to remain optimistic, whether it's humility before God or before man, whether it's understanding and empathy to others who may be going through a hard time and who are struggling. When we persevere, God works in us 
and he also works through us. There's a guy named Eugene Peterson, which some of you may be familiar with. He's the man who gave us the Message Paraphrase Bible, and he also wrote many books for pastors. He's someone who I greatly admire. He actually passed away uh, this weekend of two years ago. And so I've been reflecting on him over the last week and, and reflecting on his life. And I was reading a reflection from a guy named Dean Johnson who wrote after Eugene passed. He said, Eugene revived a vision of a pastor as someone serious, intelligent, savvy, creative, playful and prophetic. He encouraged those in ministry to resist the seductive sirens of the pragmatic pastor in favour of a ministry animated by the patient and cruciform witness of a long obedience in the same direction. I think this legacy that Eugene has left with us is worth listening to, to be a people with consistent obedience, perseverance and character in the face of trials. And even though he was talking about pastors there, I think it it actually relates to all of us. I know that when I come to the end of my life, I want to be able to say as it does in 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. So again... Are you getting bitter or are you getting better? Has this year hardened your heart? Have the trials and tribulations of your life overcome the hope that you have in Christ? Author and pastor Timothy Keller reminds us the glory of the Christian life is that we have a hope that overwhelms grief. It doesn't eradicate it. It sweetens it. It overwhelms it. I want you to imagine with me for a moment if the message that Christians give at Easter time, instead of the cross equals love that is spread across the sky as it does in a lot of Australian cities over Easter, which I absolutely love. I think it's awesome. I'm sure many of you have witnessed it, but if you haven't, they put that in the sky. Imagine if we had suffering equals hope. I think we'd probably have a lot less people coming into our churches on the weekends. But it's actually true. Without darkness, we can't appreciate the light. You know, I think that when we begin to develop that perseverance and that character that we start to see the hope on the other side of our suffering. And this is my main point this morning. The reason that this happens is that when you've started to develop these things, this perseverance and this character, you actually learn to stop looking at the suffering itself. You stop looking at the trials. You stop looking at the challenges. You actually start looking at God instead. You begin to see him through the lens of perseverance and the character that you've developed. You begin to see his hope shining through. Paul says that this hope that is poured into our hearts does not put us to shame. 
God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The hope that we have received has no room for shame, has no room for it. I know that we often all have a reason to feel shame in some way, shape or form. I know that sometimes our sin can feel overwhelming, but we have God's love that has been poured into our hearts. And that in itself, that in itself is hope worth holding on to. You know, we can't create wine without crushing grapes. Diamonds aren't created without extreme temperatures and deep pressure. And pearls aren't made without any irritation. And I think that our best selves, the believers who can be salt and can be light in this world, aren't created without a little bit of pain, a little bit of suffering, a bit of grief, a bit of pressure, and a few challenges. I'm not going to go into the theology of why does bad things happen to good people. And I'm not going to be blasé and quote the scripture that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, although it's true. (laughs) I want to be sensitive. I want to be sensitive here and recognise that there are people in this room and also online who are struggling right now and don't have hope. They can't see any goodness in what has happened to them in their past or what they're going through right now. And to those I say, hold on. Hold on to hope because God is not finished with you yet. There is a journey ahead of you and it's going to develop in you some perseverance and a whole lot of character. And on the other side of it, there is an abundance of hope waiting for you. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There was a notable physicist in the early 20th century named Arthur Gordon Webster, and he reminded us that no one lives on the top of the mountain. It's fine to go there occasionally for inspiration, for new perspectives, but you have to come down. Life is lived in the valleys. That's where the farms and the gardens and the orchards are and where the ploughing and the work is done. That's where you apply the visions you may have glimpsed from the peaks. It is in these valleys that God works in us so that he can most effectively work through us. You know, there's a hurting world out there They're filled with hurting people. And we actually have the hope that they so desperately need. We have that hope. It is inside us. It has been given to us. We have the hope that the hurting world needs. Why are we containing it? We have it. We are called to be a people of hope. So don't be discouraged when the swells and the waves come because they won't overcome God will actually use them. As I finish this morning, I want to read from Matthew 11:28, which is paraphrased from the words of Jesus and written by the late Eugene Peterson, who I mentioned earlier. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion, 
come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That is the hope that we hold on to, a promise from Jesus. And I want to finish by praying this passage over each one of you because I think that this is a scripture worth remembering in those times when we feel like we want to give up. So I'm going to pray now. If you'd like to join me. I pray that God would be near to each of you and be a strength and a comfort to you. I pray for endurance in your heart and in your mind and in your soul and in your strength. I pray for perseverance beyond what you think you can bear. I pray that we would not be a people who give up easily, but ones who are a witness to a God who gives the strength and the character we need to stay the course. I pray that each of you experience true rest and know what it is to live freely and lightly. I pray that there will be a community around each one of you that meets you exactly where you are at. I pray for courage to rise up in you so that you can get out of bed another day to do what you need to do to carry on. And lastly, I pray peace over you and for God to be near to you in ways that you never expected. I pray that this would build up compassion into you, a great compassion in each of you and a love for our suffering world and that we would be a people that would bring hope into those places. Amen.